0: there's the old saying like, oh, you're born a leader. I don't believe that you are. I think it is the people that you surround yourself in life with. And if you surround yourself with bad leadership, then you have those bad traits yourself.
1: Welcome to the Seeds of Growth podcast. My name is Pumehana Palmer. I'm a mindset and growth coach to new real estate agents, small business owners, and high achieving female entrepreneurs. I believe that true success happens from the inside out, and I'm on a mission to plant seeds of growth and transformation, one powerful conversation at a time. Each week, I'll bring you a solo episode, interview, or coaching experience with business owners just like you to help you shift your perspective, elevate your beliefs, and build a business that inspires you. Now let's dive into today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Seeds of Growth podcast. My name is Pumehano Palmer. I am a mindset coach, a real estate agent, and an entrepreneur. And today I'm super stoked to be talking with my friend Ron Wiestefeld. We have been friends for for years, actually. And now we have finally partnered up in the real estate realm. And I've always had really great conversations with Ron. He has an incredible background in leadership and just being a leader of himself and of others. And he has such an incredible story and such an incredible take on leadership in general. So we finally decided to hit record on one of these conversations and see where it takes us. So hey, Ron, how's it going?
0: Good, Pumi. How are you doing? Happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Thank you for being here. So let's just dive into it, shall we? Tell me what leadership is to you. So to me, leadership
0: is... You know, kind of the cliche thing of always doing the right thing, but also just setting the example, not like, I don't like to think of it like a lot of leaders that are like, do as I say, not what I do. So it's more of lead that example. And I will do the same thing if I'm tasking somebody out, I would not task them out for something I wouldn't do
1: myself. I love that. There's there's a level of integrity that comes with, with leadership, right? Yep. Definitely. That's awesome. What are some experiences in which you had to rise to the occasion and what's another experience in which you've seen other people not rise to the occasion?
0: I can't think of like any like one specific where I had to maybe once when I was in the army one that stands out to me was I just came back from deployment and Got stationed over in Fort Hood, left Hawaii, went over to Fort Hood, Texas, and we were short-staffed NCOs at that time. So I took over as an E-5. I was running a platoon, which would be an E-7. So I was doing an, an E-7's job, and my E-8 put out notes for the day, and typically what would happen after notes were put out and everything you would put the notes out to your squad leaders and team leaders and everything for them to deviate down to the troops. And then after that, everybody goes home. So I sent everybody home notes were done. And this E8 at the time, he would like to insert his dominance a lot of times. And that particular time I was driving home, I'd stayed, I'd stayed back for about an hour, hour and a half, finishing up some paperwork and stuff. And, I get a call, where are you at? And I'm like, oh, I'm just pulling into my driveway, first sergeant, what's up? And he's like, where's your guys? You got to bring them all back here. Who released you and everything? Now, meanwhile, everybody in the company is released. And typically, for the day.
1: Sorry, they were released for the day. Okay, everybody went home.
0: And he's like, call them all back, get your squad leaders in here and everything. And I turned the car around, I called my squad leaders. And I told him, hey, let's go back, but don't worry about calling your guys. This is us. And I showed up with my squad leaders there. And the EA's like, where's your platoon? I was like, I sent them home for the day. There's nothing for them to do. You are just trying to pretty much be a dick right now. <laughs> and he's like, I told you to call them back here. And I told him, I was like, well, I'm the platoon sergeant. This is my platoon. So if you got an issue with it, Take it up with me. You're not punishing my guys because you have some kind of ego problem. So after about like an hour, he like calmed down, called me in the office and he's like, I seen what you did. Yeah. You know, if I tell you to call your guys in, you need to do it. And I told him, I was like, well, when you're like this, I'm not going to call my guys in just so you can have a power trip. I'm not going to, I was like, it pretty much stops with me. I was like, I'm the wall between you and the guys below me. So if you got an issue with it, take it up with me. You don't punish my people.
1: That's so interesting. I think that's a really, really great story with regards to you rising to the occasion, rising to that level of leadership. And it just makes me wonder, like, because like you said, you were in E5 at the time. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with military rankings, it's, you know, pretty self-explanatory as far as an E5 is, you know. Yeah, I
0: was a, I was a low-ranking buck sergeant.
1: Yeah, you know, doing the job of an E7 and challenging and kind of giving pushback to an E8. Now, I'm curious, though, was that just an internal thing, like an internal compass of whatever values that you had at the time that you felt confident enough to challenge your staff sergeant.
0: So uh, he, so he was our uh, first sergeant. Your so first sergeant. Yeah, so he's in, he's in charge of like the company, pretty
1: much. Wow. Okay. And, so to challenge him with respect, though, was that modeled to you, or was that just an intrinsic kind of knowing?
0: A little bit of both. By that time, you know, I'd had some time in the military where I've seen bad leadership, and I've seen like really great leadership, and. Knowing what kind of leader I wanted to be and strive to do, I knew that was the right thing to do. I could see the bad leadership in this E8 pretty much. Like he, like I said, in, in the beginning, he would have like these mood swings and stuff where he just didn't want to treat people right. And he was known for that across the squadron and everything. So for that, I just knew, I was like, well, even if I get in trouble, it's whatever. The pain's only gonna last a little bit. And I would rather have my guys have respect for me, knowing that I have their back, than to sit there and have them talking behind my back saying, well, he's passive aggressive and he doesn't stick up for us.
1: Yeah, that's so powerful. What kind of results have you seen of bad leadership? You were talking about how it kind of trickles down, right, to your soldiers. So what have you seen and experienced in other areas or other situations in which bad leadership was exemplified?
0: What I've seen across the board with bad leadership is you have, well, of course, morales down with a lot of people because when you're a bad leader, people see it and it's it's actually easier to be a bad leader than it is to be a good leader because mm. you're just held to a higher standard. and then. It's all eyes on you.
1: Bad Hold on. Leader. Sorry. Let me just pause you right there. For me personally, and I know for a lot of people, language is really important. And I do want to clarify that maybe not necessarily bad leadership, like good or bad, but how about ineffective? Yeah. There, there's more sorry, ineffective no, leadership, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. And and the thing is, is with that ineffective leadership, all you do is create more ineffective leaders. Because we all start at some point, Like we don't just sit there one day and we're a leader. I don't believe that like there's the old saying like, oh, you're born a leader. I don't believe that you are. I believe that you may have some traits that are different that you were born with that make it maybe a little easier, but I don't think you're born like, yep, you're a leader and you're not a leader. I think it is the people that you surround yourself in life with and with bad leadership. If you surround yourself with bad leadership, then you have those bad traits yourself. And all you're going to do is spread that. And I've seen that, like I said, in the military and even outside the military. when I, uh, When I got into the civilian side of everything, one of the very first hiring positions that I ever got they had some bad leadership in there that you could just right off the bat, you could tell the office, the morale was down in the office all the time. There was a lot of people talking behind other people's back because the managers would talk about other employees to other employees and stuff like that. You've seen a lot of that and kind of going and probing and seeing like, why was this manager doing these things and all that? They didn't have the qualifications for the job that they were doing when the company hired them. So they were a manager at like a Home Depot, but they're managing teams across several states and a military organization that services service members. It was a nonprofit. So
1: it re- yeah, it uh, required different so skills, your, huh? Your,
0: your management skills were at a Home Depot, and now. You're managing people who used to be in the service, servicing service members across different states. And I don't believe you need like a college degree or anything, but he got his management style from watching other managers, but that doesn't make it right. So it's like you don't have the education to know why are you managing people this way? Why is it you're why is this your management style? You got your you got your management style from watching other managers who were probably doing the wrong thing. And I'm using the word manager because at that point now, I don't even look at that person as a leader. You're right. just managing expectations. You're no longer leading. But, but if you was to know why you do the things that you do and know what, and have an integrity about yourself to not to know where you place people, because as a leader, we get sorry if it sounds like I'm going off on a rant, but it kind of like goes all into everything. And the way I kind of yeah. do it is like as a leader, you also got to realize when somebody is a friend and when somebody is a, when you're mentoring somebody and they can be both at the same time, but you got to know when to cut that off. So, yeah,
1: having that. So having that clear separation yeah, between that, that boundary, lines.
0: Like, like, hey, I love you as a friend, but I also love you as a as a mentee that I'm helping to get. So, as a friend, you're going to have a different boundary there, and you got to know when to separate that boundary and all that. And that's where, like, going back to. The stuff like the gossip around the office was you didn't know when you were the leader, when you were supposed to be a leader and when you were supposed to be a friend to the people.
1: I think that's so interesting. And I know that you also you've also shared with me a story of of a relationship that you had like that, of a leader and a mentor who did know how to create that clear separation. Tell me about that.
0: Oh, yeah. So I had. Probably one of the best leaders I had when I was in the army was, it was actually uh, two of them. It was uh, my squad leader and my team leader. They were very, they were very good. And I was under them for about like a year and a half. And my squad leader, Sergeant Navarro, and then the team leader was uh, Sergeant Aquinto, but we all called him Juice as a nickname. And he was, he was cool. He was cool with it. As a team, we built that rapport and it was out of respect and all that. But when we were around like leadership, it was always Sergeant Aquinto. But when we were us as a team together for cohesion and all that, it was juice. But that was because we had that respect for him to not do it around others. But I could go into work and be jacked up that day.
1: Jacked up how?
0: Just, I didn't do the right thing. I was all like...
1: So more like a mental kind of like your head isn't on straight. not like you're going in like loaded or drunk or anything, right?
0: Yeah, no, no, no. So it's like you come in and like your uniform wasn't done right, or you forgot to bring something or something like that. And back when I went, those, uh, the way that they would correct you. And I really wish they still would do this and not go the paper route that they do, but it was like, they would just sit there and they call it smoking you where they would just make you like do certain exercises until you couldn't do them anymore. I'd prefer to do that than have a paper trail because a paper trail (laughs) follows you. So a little, a little (laughs) sweat, you're like, okay, cool. I, I won't do that again. I'm worn out. So he would sit there and like smoke us during the day. If we did something wrong in there and all that stuff. But then that evening we would go out for beers. Like we could sit there go out for beers or go out, hang out on the weekends and stuff. And then once the uniform was on and we were back at work, then it was business.
1: Back to business. I love that. And I think that is just that kind of mentality of your worth and who you are isn't necessarily or like totally tied with what you do. Mistakes happen. It doesn't mean that you are a mistake or that you are intrinsically and i don't want to use a term like bad person but what you do doesn't necessarily translate to who you are and mm-hmm. i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with and me personally i'm still on that road of unlearning that because it's been ingrained in us i think a lot that hey if you do this you are this and that allows you That kind of grace, and I know you guys in the military, I know you guys wouldn't label it as such, but that is, there's grace there. And I think that a lot of people don't have that. And I think that's huge.
0: And I kind of look at it this way, even outside the military is, yeah, in the military during that time, like the smoking, you're going to, we're going to punish you by making you sweat and everything. You know, we don't do that in the civilian world, but when in the military, the way I kind of looked at it is when he did that, it wasn't that he wanted to do it. It was that he had he cared about us to fix us and correct us and make us stronger for later on down the road. And really, it helped out when I became an NCO because our non-commissioned officer is that was kind of how I had ingrained my guys like, OK, you know, you know what? I can do and everything I don't want to do it, but these are my powers that within my realm of how I can correct you. But at the same time, showing them that not only can I correct you, but the buck stops with me too, that these people aren't going to get to you. Like I'm, I'm your leader.
1: You're their gatekeeper.
0: Yep. I'm not going to sit there and let somebody else tell you, how you're going to do something or where you're going to be at what time and everything. That's that's my job. That's why you were assigned to me. And if they wanted to have that power over you, then they, needed to, they need to assign them to you.
1: I think that is so important because there is a level of safety that you bring. There's a level of security. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that. And for us, especially in the entrepreneurial world, people feel that Safety and security is weakness. And I actually I didn't get into it with someone, but there was a very clear disagreement with someone who I had deemed a leader for a very long time. And We've had some conflict. Actually, we've had some, we've had some conflict for almost the entirety of our relationship. It never bubbled up to the surface. It was very always kind of like underlying. We kind of swept it under the rug. And finally, when everything came to a head, I had said, I didn't feel safe enough to do certain things. And she came back to me and she had said, Safety birds, safety comes from fear and safety birds. Mediocrity, and I wholeheartedly disagreed. I didn't tell her that, but mm. once she told me that, then a switch went off, and I was like, "We are not a match. We're not." And the buck stops here, basically. Of we can never rectify the relationship because, on a very basic level, we don't agree. And the reason as to why I, I say. Safety, and I can fight you with this. Anyone is because if you think of a child, right, they are going to climb a tree, a very dangerous tree. They're going to run into the waves at a beach if they know and they feel safe enough that mommy and daddy are there or that something is there and they're going to be okay. There is a very basic, foundational level of safety. And security that needs to be at play. And that translates also to entrepreneurs. They have a basic foundational feeling of safety, maybe in their skill sets, right? You think of the entrepreneurs that have lost millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, right? And I don't know, a year or so, year, two years later, they're back up. They're back up in the black because they, had a level of safety and security in order to take the risks that they needed to take. So, you know, bringing it back of as a leader, you do need to protect the people who follow you to a certain degree, not 100%. Right. But there is that level of safety and security that they're going to be okay, that they are protected.
0: When you're providing that, I mean, you don't have to think of it like a, almost like the helicopter parent kind of thing is when you're doing this for these individuals and everything, you're also showing them the right ways of leadership and all that to where eventually, like anybody, military and being on the civilian side. Now, I don't want anybody to stay under me their entire life. If they do that, then I failed them. I'll tell anybody that it's like, it's not that they failed themselves. I failed you. What what didn't I show you or teach you that you're stuck in this rut and you want to stay next to me? You provide you as doing that stuff or showing them that stuff. You're showing them that, look, if you do this, if this scenario pops up, know that you have this tool in your pocket, know that if you have this moral compass or like you've You've said to me in the past, like, Ron, you know the line in the sand and you won't let people cross it. Yeah, I know that line in the sand. And if you cross it, I hope you have some gloves on because we're going <laughs> to be throwing some blows. Uh, but yeah, if having that line in the sand and then showing showing the people underneath of you, what is your line in the sand? And know that when you, if that line's ever crossed, here's some tools that you can use to... Remedy the situation that you're in and know that if you ever, if something ever is to happen, you always have my backing. You can come back to me and I, I will support you 110%.
1: Yeah. I love that. What I'm hearing is a couple of things. First off the importance of modeling of setting that example. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that who they are and what they are doing is modeling to other people around them and that kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation where you had talked about the leaders that were working at Home Depot and and the types of leaders that you are surrounded by and how you behave and how you hold yourself as a leader is is modeling to other people and other potentially future leaders and or managers and secondly, what you're saying about, you know, your line in the sand, that to me, I hear your core values, your non negotiables. And, and not a lot of people, well, some people don't really see that as their boundary, but that is their boundary. And that there is a way, there's different ways to, I don't want to say exert that boundary, but it's more to, Hold the boundary. And I think not a lot of people put that into practice or they feel that that boundary right there, you know, a lot of people are struggling with boundaries because of whatever was modeled to them, even going all the way back to his children of like, hey, if you don't bend this rule, then that means that you don't love me. Or, you know, there's unspoken expectations that setting and holding boundaries is disrespectful or, you know, whatever. You know, in, it
0: gives you that moral compass. It's to know, okay, this is the line I will never cross. And I know that line because I did cross it one time, not knowingly crossing it though. It was, it was because I was battling things internally after I had transitioned out of, the, out of the military and everything. I had that whole internal battle with like PTSD and all that stuff. And it took my wife to look at me one night, say, you don't change your ways. I'm taking the kids and we're leaving. And that's when I realized, okay, I've crossed the line where I said I would never go. And I knew at that point I needed to make, I needed to make a change because it was affecting my family. And at the time I thought I was still leading people but I couldn't even lead myself because my family was get my family was suffering. So I knew I wasn't even a leader at that time. I had to take myself away from leading because I was like if I can't even get myself and my family together then I'm lying to myself and I'm not staying true to myself which and I'm not even providing good leadership to the people that I was under and that's where I had to take that step back and kind of take my way from the leadership role for a while and then reevaluate everything. And I told her, I was like, I'll make a change. And she said, yeah, I'll believe when I see it. And it was about uh, maybe like a year and a half, two years later, she's like, oh, you, you've you changed. And I told her, I was like, I just needed to hear those words.
1: That's huge and thank you so much for sharing that because it's not it's not easy and there's a lot of people who still who are going through that right now especially transitioning from the military into civilian life and any transition period just because i know there's a lot of identity that comes with especially with the military but there's a lot of your identity that is tied to what you have there and what you do within the military and then when that I don't want to say gets taken away from you, but that when that layer gets shed, then there is almost a, a mirror that gets held up and not everyone responds to that well. Yeah.
0: I mean, you get out and you, you know, when you get out or when you're in, you're whatever rank you were and everything. And yeah, the military creates leaders, but at the same time, it's also a forced leadership. Mm -hmm. kind of thing and that's you know that's where you can get bad leaders like you have to respect me you have to go to parade dress or salute me and it's like no no i'm actually doing it to the rank not the man kind of thing Ah. and and, but there's that ego and everything and then when you get out you're nobody like sergeant wistfeld or staff sergeant wistfeld like who's that Yeah. (laughs) Who are you? Steph, what? No, no, you're, you're jackass. Like, (laughs) like, Hey Dick just got out. You got no title. And that's where the identity crisis comes in is you have to, you have to transform yourself again. You have to, you have to create this image, this persona that you want people to see. And that was where I was That's where I was failing when I was getting out. I was creating an image that, you know, I look back today on what I looked like and how I was acting and everything. And I'm like, ooh, I'd have been embarrassed to go out in public with me too. Like I was not in the best mindset, but having those tools that I did have from those positive leaders, even though I crossed that line, I was able to direct myself back. And now I know where that line I will not cross. And there's been there's been a couple pushes here and there where certain individuals will have got me to almost cross that line. I'm like, no, take a step back. I'm not I'm not going to put myself there.
1: That's really powerful. That's a powerful skill to have. And a little bit ago, you just you just referenced a mindset. Right. So tell me a little bit about the mindset of leadership and what that means to you, what that looks like to you.
0: So. I know we're in a woke culture right now. You can throw that shit out the window because you don't need that as a leader. So sorry if I get you canceled or hurt any feelings. But if you're a leader, you you definitely need to throw that out because people are going to judge you. They judge you every day. And if people say they don't judge you, they're a liar. They're going to judge you. And as you get higher and higher in the lead and leadership our you're growing like for us in in the real estate realm. We're gonna continuously grow and we're gonna have agents underneath of us that look at us as we're their leader. We're the ones providing that leadership, that mentorship, and that safety net for them to take those risks. And when they fail forward, we're here to pick them back up. But that is going to, that is gonna trigger other real estate agents out there and stuff who aren't going to like it, who are going to judge and say something. And great, you have an opinion. I don't care because everybody's a critic and you're a critic because you can't do it. That's why you're criticizing because you tried to do it, you failed. You don't know how to do it. And now that somebody else is doing it, you're going to sit there and poke fingers and judge. So, and mindset is throw them out they're the cheap seats. Their opinions don't even matter. And not to even let those uh, hurt your feelings. So yeah, I think the biggest mindset is to have that mindset, to have that ability to cancel out those voices and be like, I don't care. Unless your opinion is constructive, like you can tell me I'm messed up, but do it in a constructive way. Being like, hey, I'm seeing this in your leadership style. This isn't, typically how you are this is you know constructive and everything but just to point fingers and be like oh Ron and his team are are horrible or whatever it's like great that's your opinion okay
1: right so it sounds like also being able to be grounded in like we've brought up the term integrity a lot and being authentic to who you are knowing what is right and wrong in in your head in your eyes and being able to quiet the voices That say otherwise, or say, "Hey, you did this, and therefore, you know, you are this," or blah blah blah. Right? For you to be able to wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, and say, "Hey, no, that's not who I am." That is your opinion, and for you to keep moving forward and quiet whatever needs to be quieted.
0: Oh yeah, and with that, I've noticed even with that, like that mindset kind of thing. I won't even say attitude, but mindset. Is the people who do poke fingers and everything that are sitting there and trying to point out shortcomings in a in a negative mindset, they're the ones when you sit there and you drown them out or you have a conversation with them about something like, okay, so why are you saying this? Give me some, some evidence on this. They're the first ones that will sit there and start yelling and screaming and telling you that. Oh, uh, why you sound so defensive? No, I'm asking a question. You're the one pointing fingers. So what's up?
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in how somebody responds to you or to something is more of a reflection of, on who they are as a person. Right. And so a lot of times when people go out there and are intentionally pointing fingers and saying, you, 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 it's. You can very easily, yeah. yeah, You know that there's some unease within themselves.
0: I'll I'll sit there. I'll tell people all the time when when they're when I have people that I've I've mentored and stuff like that, and we've had this conversation where it's like, oh, so and so said this and all that. I'm like, it's probably because that's where they're at in their life. They see this in you because it's what they're projecting.
1: Sure, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I wholeheartedly agree with that because there's been so many times in which people have projected things onto me and I'm just like wow it's only been recently though you know I've been going through this mindset journey for goodness I don't know maybe like 12 years or so and only within these past couple of years after learning as much as I have now like up until this point and I'm still learning but I know that the growth came When somebody came to me and said, you don't do this and you don't do this. And, and I was able to just sit there and be like, no, (laughs) you don't. And it'd be okay.
0: I had somewhat of a similar thing recently where the individual was blaming me for everything. And I'm like, letting them go at it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go off on you. I'm not going to put myself in that position. And then when they were done, I'm like, I'm glad to be out of the military. I love the civilian life and everything and the freedom. But I always do kind of go back to a little bit of like some military terms and stuff like that. And I told the person after they were like blaming me for all this and they're like, oh, I invested into you. And I'm like, really? That's all I was was an investment. I thought we were more than that. Like, I'm a piece of marketing material for you. That's how we're going to go with this. So when they said that, I'm like, well, here's the difference. In the military, we use a knife hand where all fingers are forward extending towards an individual. And I told them that and they kind of stopped and I was like, and you're pointing. So there's three fingers pointing back at you. And I stated all three things that made me go in the direction that I did, that I was like, I'm no longer going down this road because I'm coming to that line. And I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to sit there and suffer and make my family suffer just so you can make a dollar like I'm done. And I was like, look, you're pointing and there's three fingers pointing back at you. These three things are the reason I made my decision. And after I said that, phone was silent. Nothing. And that's and as a leader, that's another thing that I always I always make sure I have is I make sure I have that ammo to sit there when it is time for that line in the sand to be drawn. It's like the cheap seats are pointing fingers. And it's like, no, no, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then try to argue the point.
1: Absolutely. And I think I know that again, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for sharing that because it's, those aren't really easy situations to be in. And, there's a lot of people out there that fear confrontation, right? And I think what's really great is that you came to the discussion with a sense of integrity and and ev- not just integrity, intention, right? The way that you move and maneuver and the decisions that you make, they're intentional and they're thought out, right? They're not emotional. So yeah. that would-
0: what- Well, and you say it right there, the emotional part is, and that's another trait of a good leader, leave your emotions out of it. It's not about you. It's about the people that you're leading. And you don't want to make your decisions based on emotions, because every time you make a decision on an emotional decision, it's going to come out irrational. I mean, it's kind of like the, for an example, you can use... Buying something on your emotions, and then later on you regret it because you're like, "Ah, I shouldn't." Buy Buyer's that. remorse. My bank account's a little lower than I wanted it to be. But you, you went to the mall one day on a limb, had a couple drinks with a friend, and then you're leaving, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll go buy that Chanel purse." I didn't. Well, I bought it for my wife. About
1: to say, right? You, you to have expensive taste. <laughs>
0: But that was an emotional purchase there because I wasn't in the right state of mind. So it's always making sure that you have that right state of mind that you're not you're not basing these conversations with people on an emotional realm. And you know we deal with that a lot as real estate agents too. Or how many times have you been in a deal where you're representing, say, your buyer and the the other agents representing the seller, and that agent is. Freaking out over every little thing, and then projecting that over to you, and it's like, well, why you have you're a neutral third party right now. You it's supposed to be me and you conversating, you relaying from seller to me, relaying the buyer. We aren't supposed to have any emotions in this transaction whatsoever. So what by you having an emotion like that, all you're doing is feeding your client. Now you're feeding them more emotions, which makes this transaction. A freaking nightmare that you're like, I just want to be over with it. And I've even had to sit down with other agents and be like, I hear what you're saying, but you need to take your emotions out of it because you're not doing you're not doing your client any fiduciary duty whatsoever.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think we often forget too, right? Especially us as as real estate agents, we are leaders of ourselves. We are leaders of the other real estate agents that are in contact with us. We're leaders of our clients and of the other vendors and professionals, right? So having that discipline as well as that bigger picture in mind, right? It's not just us and knowing what the end goal is and the end result and what you need to do in order to lead it that way. I think that's huge and that's a really important point to make.
0: Yeah, because I think you know you got you do have a lot of agents out. You got a lot of good agents out there too, but then you also have a lot of I call it the drama agent. It's like, and you know, right when you're getting that transaction, you're like, oh god,
1: oh good,
0: <laughs> great, <laughs> and you're like, but the way I kind of look at it on the agency side of things is, yeah, you have that fiduciary duty to your client that you're serving, but you also have a duty to the client that you're in contract with and you know it it might not be the same it's not as te- it's not as in depth as you do with like your buyer but you have a duty to that seller to be a professional and to make sure that this deal can be completed
1: absolutely absolutely thank you so much for sharing you are 100% right and we've been in situations and transactions in which you know that got lost. So, Ron, I think we're there. Thank you so much for this incredible conversation. Thank you f- so much for sharing your experience and wisdom um with us on on what leadership looks like and how to show up.
0: So, well, thank you. I I enjoy having these conversations with you all the time. I, so do I. So I enjoy, do I. I just feel like we grow more and more every time.
1: We do. I think we do have very productive conversations and I, I love that about us. So if anybody wants to find you on the all-powerful and almighty interwebs, where can they find you? Uh,
0: you can find me on YouTube. We did change change it over. It's Ron Wiestefeld now over on YouTube.
1: Can you spell uh, that? How do you spell Wiestefeld?
0: Uh, W-U-E-S-T-E-F-E-L-D. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Ron Wiestefeld, Facebook, and uh, where else? Uh, You can also go over to R3 Realty and you can find me over there along with Pume and Marissa and a whole team of agents, so.
1: Totally awesome. Thank you so much. And you guys will absolutely link all of these handles and all of these websites in the show notes. So thank you again, Ron. It's always Always a treat to be chatting with you. And, you know, we'll do this again soon.
0: Yes, very soon. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If this episode served you, please do me a small favor and head to your favorite podcast platform to rate and review the show. Your small act will play an exponential role in getting these powerful conversations out into the world. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at, at Pumehana Palmer and DM me with your insight and takeaways. See you next time. Aloha.